We are in our sixth week of Lent. Can you believe it? It's almost April. I think that's crazy. I know I'm jumping ahead a couple weeks, but I feel like I'm already there in a lot of ways. And we have been exploring the kingdom of God and the gospel of Mark. Next week, we enter in the Holy Week. That just blows me away. Those who have been faithful to your Lenten covenant are thinking, yes, we're getting close, right? Finally, we can stop fasting. Uh, but we're also approaching Holy Week knowing we're going to tell the story of the inauguration of the kingdom of God, the time being fulfilled, the kingdom having come near. That's a praise. Amen? Are you ready? Are you sure? Are you ready? Yes. There we go. Are you ready to give up your quest for greatness? <laughs> Honesty. <laughs> One honest person. Are you ready to follow Jesus into the way of the kingdom? Because it's a way. It's not a place as much as it is a way. It is a place, but it's also a way. Hang with that thought. Don't let it distract you. Are you prepared and eagerly anticipating the cleansing of the Holy Spirit who will bring you into the kingdom way of life? It's going to hurt, you know. It always does means we're going to have to let go of stuff we don't want to let go of. Are you satisfied with the bread that Christ offers, with the bread of His body? Are you filled? Are you willing to go and feed others that they might be filled through you? Are you committed to love God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself? And I guess my job's done, right? <laughs> There is one thing left to do, to fully embrace the life, to receive it. God's reign offered through Jesus. To do this, we need to pour ourselves out, to empty ourselves of any and of all titles and claims that we may look around at every person on earth and understand we're, we're all the same, deep down. Doesn't matter what degrees we have. Doesn't matter how long we've lived or how little we've lived, how much we've seen or not seen. It doesn't matter. We've got to let that go. It means letting go of your past in such a way that you can fully receive the present kingdom. It means you've got to let go of that thing that you've been holding on to Whatever it is. I'm not talking about a bad thing. I'm talking about the way you've been beating yourself up for that bad thing. You've got to let it go. And the things that those other people did to you that were really bad and painful and they still hurt, I'm not saying that it's going to magically disappear. I'm saying you've got to start letting that go. And you also got to let go of the future of what you think is going to be happening what you've been planning for. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I'm just saying you've got to let it go. Not let that be your first priority. So we just got to lay down our lives before Christ is the way that it's worded. So what do you do? Who are you? Do you know? What do you have to offer? Now, I've got a confession to make. I had a friend come over this week and spend some time with Lauren and I. Her name is Whitney. And 
She was telling us about the job she, she does. She stands before people that come into a particular company and they have to learn a particular computer system called Epic. I don't know anything about it because I haven't taken the class, but she teaches you how the computer system works. That's her job. And she was telling us how she felt like she needed to, wanted to do more. She felt a spiritual pull. How can I serve God? And so my mind went to what I know, and I said, well, you know, you can do seminary, CPE, you can do these things, you can, and before I knew it, I'd spent thousands of dollars for her, and I had invested years of time. Because we do that. That's, that's what I know. That's the way I understand and what it's been for me. And I just assumed, why wouldn't it be that for her? And then it dawned on me as she shared a little bit about how she teaches this computer program. And how she teaches is beautiful. Remember that word, beautiful. Kalos, good, beautiful. She teaches by engaging with people. She gives them hugs before and after, strangers. She smiles at them. She said she'll yell across the entire room, hey, and give, her, give a little self-hug if she can't get to them physically. She is one of the warmest people I've ever met, and she's one of the most exuberant. It's like Whitney with an exclamation mark. She's Whitney, and she's full of love, and she's so much fun to be around. She is a true witness to kindness for the people who come to her class, and she is faithful to God, and she credits how she is to her faith, and she only wants to learn more. And I realized she's already doing the work she's called to do. It doesn't matter what the job is. It matters how you do it, how, you, how she is who she is and does what she does. She pours herself into it in this beautiful way. Today's reading comes using Mark's word, immediately before the Last Supper. And Christ has his disciples uh, with him that night. Before, it's the, you know, this, this night is the night before he's going to be betrayed. It's a couple days before he's going to be crucified. And he's eating a meal in the home of a man who'd been cleansed of a skin disease, or a general term would be leprosy. During the meal, a woman comes in with a jar of expensive perfume. And this perfume had cost close to, does anybody remember? One year's work. Yeah. How much would that be in your work? Well, it'd be a lot, maybe. Um, and she broke open the jar, and she pours every drop upon Jesus' head. Let's picture that. What would that look like if you did that to somebody? <laughs> and she does it. Jesus, let's think about this. She's been telling the disciples for six chapters in the Gospel of Mark of what he's going to Jerusalem to do, which is what? To die, to be betrayed, handed over, beaten, mocked, tortured, suffering, die, and then rise again. Six chapters he's been telling them, and a few other times, you know, he, he says it three explicitly, and then he's alluding to it all the time, and you know how often the disciples grasped it and got it? They're in denial of the truth of the way of Jesus. They understand about the title, but they don't understand the way. He is the king, right? Jesus is the king who comes into his reign, not through greatness as we would define it, but by greatness as God defines it. And that's called a cross. And if you can wrap your head around that, 
you're in good shape. You're a lot further along than I am many times. This woman's identity is unknown. We don't know who she is. Other gospels tell a similar story and assign a name in a different setting, but in Mark, she's unnamed. A woman. We don't know why she did what she did other than the clue Jesus gives us in verse 8. He says, she has done what she could. She did what she could. Seems simple enough, but think about that. She didn't do what she would. She did what she could. Her name, or he names her act as Kalos, beautiful, good thing. Doing what she could is beautiful, and it's worthy of telling for the rest of history. It's a strange story. What did she do exactly? Well, she poured out probably the most valuable thing she had on Jesus' head out of love. It's a strange act. If you try doing this to someone else, you might not get the same kind of reaction, okay? It's a strange act. Maybe she knew he was about to die. He's been saying it, but the gospel writer doesn't tell us that. There was no significance to the perfume itself. It's not magical perfume. It's not crucifixion perfume. It's perfume. No secret meaning to the actual substance, but... Jesus lifts up her act as beautiful and says, this is an anointing for my burial. He claims it and makes it something even better than beautiful. It's like he's honoring it after people have reacted poorly. The text says some grew angry. They said this. Think about this. This is what they said. Why waste the perfume? This perfume could have been sold for almost a year's pay and the money given to the poor. And the text says they scalded her. Think of the scene. Picture, she's just poured perfume on him, and they're there, maybe arms crossed, scowls on their face, fingers pointed, and they're scalding her. You wasted this. Who's there? Who do we know is there? Jesus, the disciples, and Simon the leper and the woman. So who's scolding her? The disciples, probably. Maybe Simon. Maybe there was another woman or two there. Why'd they get angry? Why do we get angry when people offer themselves to Christ in beautiful ways? We do, you know. Maybe we discount someone and their act because of some perception we have about their act, or about them. Maybe we discount ourselves as if what we offer is not great enough. And if it isn't good by our standards, well, then it can't be good enough for God's, right? It's the way we think. Are there some people whom we scold in our minds for coming to God who claim that they belong in the church? Are there some acts that we deem unworthy? Something to consider. But back to the story. They get angry, and Jesus defends her. He says, leave her alone. Like The text is read, but we get to read it with voice. So I'm going to read it with voice. Leave her alone. Why do you make trouble for her? 
She's done a beautiful thing for me. You always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do something beautiful for them, but you won't always have me. She's done what she could. She's anointed my body ahead of time for burial. Now, the word Christ, anyone know what it means? Sunday school people, you can hold for a second because we talked about it. What's Christ mean? We always say the word Jesus with Christ either behind it or in front of it. I'm hearing lots of King, Lord, Messiah. It is a Greek rendition of the word Messiah. What does Messiah mean? It entails an element of prophet. The literal meaning is anointed. Anointed. Yet no one in the story of Mark has anointed him on earth except this woman. Now, the Spirit came on him when he was baptized, a divine anointing to begin his ministry. But it is this woman who anoints him as he prepares to take his throne in the kingdom. This kind of anointing, this lavish pouring out, is the kind of act reserved for a king. And you can, you can see it all through Old Testament, kings and messiahs being anointed, and he is the Messiah, the Christ, and here he is anointed. He never gets anointed other than this story. Twice the prophet Samuel offered an anointing in similar fashion for Saul and for David, and then uh, also as a Yehu, it's a fun name to say. Jesus is going to die... And there's no time to anoint him because the Sabbath draws near. And when the women go to anoint him, Easter morning, he's not there to be anointed. This woman offers the world's anointing for our Lord. You see why we tell this story anywhere the gospel is told. This is the world, humanity's anointing of God in Jesus Christ. She does what she could, and what she could could not have been more perfectly beautiful. Amen? She did what she could, and it became so much more through the power of Christ because that's how it works. We do not determine the value of ourselves and our actions. We can try. God determines the values. Yes? It's Jesus who redeems our entire lives. All we are and all we do. Jesus alone, yes? Jesus Christ redeems our lives when we offer all we have to Him, when we pour it out, when we give what we can. And we are received as beautiful and good. No matter what our act is, what our knowledge is of its significance, Jesus accepts it as a perfect gift. Can you accept this truth? This is the difficulty of our faith. Can we accept the good news? So what do you have to offer? What is it in your life that you're holding back? What part of your life do you think is unacceptable to God? What piece of who you are or what you are about do you think is beyond the work of Christian? Teaching epic can't be a Christian job, right? When we pour ourselves out to Jesus, Jesus puts it to use and makes it beautiful wherever we are. 
and Whitney showed that to me. Even teaching a computer program to strangers can be a beautiful, life-changing, and good act. Even work that doesn't appear to have any connection to religion can be the work of the kingdom. Amen? Now, some may get angry and discount what you're trying to do. That voice may be loudest within. There will be some attempt in your life to discount you and what you do as if it was wrong. But that's why we have the Spirit to speak within us, to remind us, pour out and accept the good news you received. So remember, do what you can just like this unnamed woman. Do what you do, be who you are, and pour it all out for love of Jesus as your Christ, as your anointed, as your King, as your Savior, and it will be received. Can we accept this? Are you ready?